Christ, by his life and death and resurrection, has made peace for us and for the whole world, even as we wait for it to finally be fulfilled. And in the waiting, we participate in the peacemaking, peacekeeping uh, realities of God's heart for our world. You're going to do that, I'm sure of it, uh, according to the jobs you have, the people you know, the places you go. We try to do it together as well. If you want to hop on Pillar's website, I can't remember what it is right now, uh, pillarchurch.com, you can find out so many different things. There's also a weekly email we send out. Uh, if you email us, office at pillarchurch.com, we'll email you every Wednesday all kinds of ways uh, to be involved in the peacemaking, peacekeeping purposes of Christ. A couple of things I want to draw your attention to. Yesterday, during the tulip time, or in the morning, before the tulip time parade, our student ministries sold parking spaces in our parking lot, much to your chagrin, made $1,400 which will send four moms to Young Lives Camp this summer. Isn't that awesome? I, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for that. They endured the driving rains. Uh, just really great. Uh, also, we're celebrating with Matt and Sam Ruping. They welcomed little Sophie May into the world on May 26. Isn't she precious? So keep them in your hearts and minds and prayers. There's probably going to be a meal train thing that you can sign up to come alongside of them. There's a give link on our website to support the mission and ministries of the church. Uh, there's also boxes. You can do the same towards the exits. And the next Sunday after this service, one of our ministry partners, Western Seminary, will be hosting a lunch and learn. Uh, if you want to join me and a couple of friends to hear what God is doing in through with and for Western, it'd be great to see you after this service next Sunday. It's Mother's Day. I'm guessing you, few of you at least, have some plans. Uh, I'd love to offer the first appetizer of the meal, uh, the feast of the word and the table. So let's stand together and prepare our hearts by singing.
What a beautiful day, isn't it? Isn't this just perfect? There's people sitting on the lawn. I'd love to welcome you. I see Jim out there. Let's hear a shout from the lawn. That was terrible. <laughs> There's people online. What a great day to be together. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, my mom would traipse us across the parking lot of the church uh, every Sunday morning, me and my two sisters, single file line, behaving perfectly, of course, following my mom, following the leader. If this sermon had an image, that's the one I want you to keep in mind. We lived right across the street, uh, right across the parking lot uh, from the church. The, the sanctuary was like a family room for us. Uh, the, the fellowship hall, a, a second dining room. The church gym was like my playground. Uh, the parking lot, we'd do cops and robbers with the neighborhood boys, hookstras, timbers, dillbecks, chasing each other around and around. The side yard was for football and soccer and golf and frisbee golf and every activity you can imagine. The backyard had a pool. So we got to host all of the t-ball parties at the end of the year. We'd suck down the root beer and the ice cream and the Dixie cup and then cannonball into the deep end, water splashing on my sisters. Mom! Then we'd do it again. Every Sunday morning, she'd walk us across that parking lot, single file line, me and my two sisters following the leader, following my mom. Uh, that was back in the day when the prelude was meant uh, for sort of a preparatory moment of personal reflection. You remember those days? My mom would sit in the pew, she'd, you know, slide in. She had to be on the outside aisle because who knows what would happen if we were on the, the aisle. She'd close her eyes and pray during the prelude, probably for us, that we wouldn't distract the service too much. Maybe for my dad, uh, who was going to preach that morning. I'd, 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 have, I'd have the bulletin open during the service, and I'd draw uh, tanks and airplanes, <laughs> a war scene converging in the sanctuary. During the long prayer, I'd, I'd uh, you remember the long prayer? <laughs> in the long prayer, I'd, I'd bury my face in my hands with my elbows on my knees, and I'd fall asleep. During, and then I'd be awakened by the sounds of the Gloria Patri. Every Sunday, walk across the parking lot with my mom, single file line, following the leader, following my mom. Now, this is the, I'm just, it's Mother's Day, I'm just talking about my mom. It's the sixth Sunday in the season of Eastertide. I want to return with you to that scene where John, well, Peter and Jesus have that Q&A. Remember that one? Do you love me? John, listening in. There's some unfinished business we have to tend to. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. nothing. After daybreak, Jesus was standing on the shores of the lake, but they didn't know that it was Jesus. He called out to them, children, you have no fish, have you? 
They said, no. He said, put your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they put their net on the right side of the boat and there were so many fish they could hardly haul the net in. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Simon Peter, it is the Lord. And when he heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and he jumped into the sea. The other disciples stayed in the boat for they were only about 100 yards off. When they came to shore, there was a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. He said to them, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Peter got into the boat and hauled the net ashore. It was full of very large fish, 153. And even though the net was full of fish, it was not torn. Jesus said, come, have some breakfast. And he came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was the third time he had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And after breakfast, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? more than these. He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. A second time, he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, tend my lambs. A third time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, now, Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. You know everything. You know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you to the place you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. As they were walking along, John was following. He's the one who reclined next to Jesus at the supper and asked, who is it that will betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said, what about him? And Jesus said, what is that to you? If he remains until I come. Follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's John chapter 21, if you want to find it in a Bible near you. Jesus appearing to seven of his disciples. Christ has just died. The cross, the shadow of the cross still laying over their lives. The, the, the tomb just having been emptied. Christ up and alive and living. And he shows up to the seven disciples and he has this fascinating conversation with Peter. Two things stand out to me as curious and one command we're going to have to contend with. Does that sound like a way forward for the morning? Uh, here's the first thing that struck me as curious. Probably you did too. What's up with 153 fish? I mean, the Bible is not, it's always making a point. St. John is always pushing a purpose. So what's the purpose behind 153 fish? 
After the service last week, Vinnie Morton, one of my friends, was captured by that moment. He suggested to me that he read somewhere that the 153 in the first century, they thought there were 153 nations. So the 153 fish representing all of the nations, which may be a cryptic way of saying what John would say so clearly later in the book of Revelation, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might. For you ransomed for God saints from every tribe and language and people and nation, which is actually the same thing St. Jerome suggested, the 4th century saint, who suggested the, the 153 fish represented the 153 species of fish representing all of the nations of the world, which is the same thing St. Paul got after when he said, one day every knee will bend and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. St. Augustine took a different tact. St. Augustine was playing with some math. He suggested that the sum of the integers from 1 to 17 is 153. I did the math myself. It, it plays out. 17 being the combination. Are you loving this? Being the combination of 10 and 7. 7 being the number for completeness. 10 being the number of authority. I'm not going to argue with Augustine, but I'm not tracking What's up with the 153? Somebody else texted me during the service, 9 o'clock service, saying there's 153,000 orphans in the world. I, I mean, I don't know. Just an interesting fact. What's up with 153? I'll leave it to your Mother's Day conversations to figure out what 153 actually means. But what I don't want you to miss, every miracle told in the Bible is not meant to be some special favor from God being doled out to a select few, but is always pointing us to the deeper realities of God's heart revealed to us in Jesus Christ. The miracles point to Christ. The first miracle in John's gospel, the water into wine at the wedding, it ends, he did this, the first of his signs, and his disciples believed. This last miracle in the gospel of John, Peter gets on his clothes because he was naked, jumps into the boat because he's heard, it is the Lord. The point of the miracle is to point us to Jesus Christ himself, not to assure us a few favors along the way. The point of the miracle, in Christ, all authority in heaven and earth has been given. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Christ, forgiveness exists and mercy reigns and justice is possible. In Christ, all things hold together. And the miracles, 153, make of it what you will. Don't leave this Mother's Day without singing it. Holy, 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 it is the Lord. Are you with me? Seems like seven of you are, are with me. I'll move on to the second curiosity then. It strikes me so curious. Jesus is making breakfast. I mean... The ruler of the universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords, who just defeated death, just kicked it to the curb in the resurrection, is making breakfast. He started the fire. He's fanning the flame. He's stoking the coals. He, did he catch the fish or did he just call the fish? <laughs> did he bake the bread or did he go to the market? The resurrected Christ doing this basic, mundane, fundamental reality of human existence, just like you. And isn't that God's heart? 
to come to us, to meet us as we are, where we are. We're infatuated with the big. We love the light. We're intoxicated with celebrity stories. Then it's fine, whatever. But it's like we're biding our time through the rest of life until something significant can happen. But Christ meets us in the basic. Christ meets us in the mundane. Come, have some breakfast. I want to be with you. I want to eat with you. I want to sit with you. Come, have some breakfast. Came across a book a couple years ago. The title is All You Need to Know. Every Moment Holy. The Table of Contents. It's a set of prayers. I highly recommend buying it for yourself. There's two volumes. But listen, listen to some of the prayers. For domestic days. For one who's employed. For those who employ others. For laundering. Which I think is doing laundry. <laughs> Not like money laundering. For the preparation of a meal. Just basic. Mundane. Doing the laundry, washing the dishes, mowing the lawn, meeting a friend for coffee. Just that's, keep your eyes open. We're not biding our time to get to something big. Christ, come have breakfast. I like the way Frederick Beekner puts it. You enter the extraordinary by way of the ordinary. So keep your eyes open. Here, here's another line from Beekner. It's so easy to look and see what we pass through in this world, but we don't. If you're like me, you see so little. You see what you expect to see rather than what's there. Rather, keep your eyes open. You see what you expect to see rather than what's there. Come, have breakfast. I want to be with you. I want to sit with you. That's the second thing that I find curious now, the one point of the sermon, those were just like, that was just for fun. The one point of the sermon, the one command, well, one of the commands he offers twice. If you were around last week, it was the three questions and the three commands, feed my sheep. This time, just two, one, another command offered twice. Remember what it was? Follow me. Follow me. We live in a big, huge, wild, crazy, complicated, complex world. Am I right? I mean, like, for instance, this sermon, I did not write this sermon. I spoke into chat GPT, the AI thing, and it kicked out a sermon on John 21. <laughs> so if you don't like it, take it up with the internet or whatever. I don't know. We can take someone's heart and put it into someone else. Someone made a jet that traveled the globe in 31 hours. The human body is stunningly complicated. Money, like the economy, I don't, I don't get it, really. It's, it's just an idea. Like, there, money's nothing. I mean, really, think about it. It's, it used to be something, but somebody, one president, one, I think it was like 1953 or something like that. It's not even a thing. And then cryptocurrency. What in the world is that? We live in a wild, crazy world. And the socio-political landscape is such a mess, not to mention all the stuff internally that we all face. It's just wild. And you know what Jesus says amidst all the chaos? Guess what he says? Follow me. 
follow me. It's the first instinct of the disciple. It's the first move of the follower of Jesus. Follow me. Now, a couple things about before you jump on board, you should know. Uh, This is how Jesus puts it. When you were young, you fastened your own belt and went wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you to a place you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And then he said, follow me. Any notion, any idea that that, that the Christian existence is meant for prosperity and luxury and comfort and ease and security is a misplaced assumption. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, peace, eternity, but ease, comfort. Talk to our friends in Iran. Talk to our friends in Nigeria. Talk to our friends in Ukraine. The command remains the same. Follow me. Now, here's here's the hidden secret of it all. All of us follow something. We're all following after something. Whatever it is you're following after. And history has proven over and over and over. All of those things after which you follow will disappoint. Christ says, follow me. Will it go completely well for you? Is not the point. Follow me. Now, he says the command twice, and and it gets reoriented a little bit. The first time, it sounds like this, akaluthe moi, which is the Greek akaluthe, follow, and then moi, me. The second time, he turns it around a little bit. Instead of akaluthe moi, it's su moi akaluthe. Now, uh, the New Testament, they didn't have punctuation. There were no question marks or exclamation points. So the way they would emphasize things had to do with word order. So the first word in the sentence is the most important word. And in this case, Jesus says to Peter, you, me, follow. Not akaluthe moi, but su moi akaluthe. Are you tracking with me? Because Peter had just gotten distracted, not by the cost of discipleship. Jesus just told him, you're going to die. Someone's going to take you to a place you don't want to go. He doesn't seem to mind. Of course he doesn't mind. He's talking to the crucified one. He understands what this is all about. He gets distracted not by the cost of discipleship. He gets distracted by his buddy John. John's following behind. What does Peter say to Jesus? What about him? And what does Jesus say to Peter? What's that to you? Su moi akaluthe. You, me, follow. I'll take care of John. You, me, follow. We do that, don't we? We get distracted by someone else. How come he got into grad school and I was banished to a gap year? How come she got the raise and every time I ask for help, nothing happens? How come he can be so like that and everything seems to go well and I try to be a good person and nothing seems to work out? You know what Jesus says? You, me, follow. Sumoi akaluthe. In this big, complicated, crazy hard world with all sorts of people distracting us from the one 
Jesus reorients us. You, me, follow. And so here's what I was thinking we could do today. It's Mother's Day. I'm guessing the vast majority of you are Christian believers. But maybe in this complicated world, you've gotten sidetracked by all the complexities and have, have, have forgotten the first basic fundamental instinct of the Christian. Follow me. Or maybe you got drugged here. No, that wouldn't be right. You got brought here because it's Mother's Day. You don't want to be here. You're just trying to keep the family system happy. And maybe somehow Christ speaking, breaking through to you today, you, me, follow. When I was a kid, we lived right across the parking lot from the church. Right around that parking lot. Sit during that long prayer. Gloria Patri, wake me up. Drawn, I draw tornadoes on the bulletin too. I like the spiral action. My mom would traipse us across that parking lot, me and my two sisters, single file. Follow the leader. Follow my mom. It's the first step of the Christian life. You, me, follow. So come to the table. Allow, allow the, the invitation to the table today to be the reorientation of your heart. Distracted by somebody else or all the complexities of the world. You, me, follow. Or maybe, maybe today is the day you get up out of the seat for the first time and follow Jesus. Amen.